0: Good morning, my name is Sam McLaughlin and I'm the senior pastor here if we haven't met. We're so glad you're here to worship. Like Gracie said, there's a yellow visitor card in the pew rack in front of you and we would love for you to fill that out and we can connect with you on your way out the door. We say hello to our online guests again and we hope that you will connect with our online pastor, Rachel. Today is the first Sunday of our new series for the month of December. It's called, It's a Wonderful Light. Uh, and We're so glad that you're here for this Advent season. If you didn't grow up in the church or this is your first uh, season of Advent, this is a time where we really slow down and we're intentional about making our way to the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And as we do that, we look at these stories of people in the Bible who were called by God and used to help usher in the light of the world. So we'll look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and John and Joseph and Mary and see how the light in their stories speaks to us in this season. Maybe you're someone who has heard these stories many times and you've been through many advents, and so I always say at the beginning of this season uh, to allow yourself to hear these stories in new ways and fresh ways to really listen and look for what God is saying to you right now in this time. The invitation really is to let these stories of our faith frame our way to December 25th. Not the advertising of Christmas, not social media, not the ideals of Christmas perfection. The stories of our faith to frame our way to December 25th. Today, our stories begin with Zachariah and Elizabeth from this passage from the book of Luke that you just heard Nathan read. Scripture tells us that they were an older couple, that they were unable to conceive a child. And it says that Elizabeth felt shame and disgrace over this. She lived in a culture where continuing the family lineage was important, where having a child as a woman was really important. We're told that uh, they were righteous people, they were blameless people, that Zachariah was a priest and that Elizabeth came from a long line of priests. She was a pastor's kid, a priest's kid. And so these are people who understood the joys and the demands of church work. At the time, what we know is that the priests were divided into 24 groups and each group served twice a year for one week at a time in the temple. And so there was this list that was compiled of priests who had never been chosen to enter the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, and then lots were cast to determine who would be the one to go in. This kind of honor sometimes only happened once in a lifetime. And so our scripture tells us that once when Zachariah's division was on duty, And he was serving as priest before God. He rolled the dice and he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn the incense. That was the custom. Now, it was also the custom for all the other people who were there to worship, to gather outside of that space and to wait for the priest to come out. They would be expecting him to come out and and give them a blessing. And so here is really the scene. I want you to try to see it in your mind. Zechariah entered what would have been this tall, narrow, dark room with no windows. The only light was like a flickering candle. And it is there in the midst of that high holy moment that the angel Gabriel appears to him. Now, as any of us would be, He was startled and he was gripped with fear. Think about the best surprise party that you've ever pulled off, right? I can think about as a teenager when my friend was coming down the hallway in his house. He was like singing tunes. He had no idea that 15 of us were crammed in his dark room. And then he opened the door and he was just like terrified, right, all these people scream in your face. That's the kind of moment that we're talking about, startled and gripped with fear, and so the angel looks at him, and he says what he will say to every other person in the Christmas story, do not be afraid, right? Some of us could take that and go home today now, right? There's your message. Do not be afraid. And he goes on to say, Zachariah, your prayers have been heard The voice that you've been lifting to me, and now there, it's answered, right? Elizabeth is gonna bear a son, and you're gonna name him John. He's gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's gonna carry on the tradition of the prophets like Elijah. He is going to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. Now, naturally... Zachariah was confused, he was shocked, he was full of doubt. He basically asked, how do I know that you're telling the truth? Like We're past the diaper stage in our life, right? We've given up on this dream. And the angel says, Zachariah, I've been sent here by God to tell you this, and I'm sorry, brother, but since you didn't believe me, you're gonna have to be silent until the appointed time that this good news happens. And so Zachariah walks out, remember, to all of those worshipers expecting a blessing, and he cannot say a word. For at least nine months and eight days, he says nothing. It doesn't matter how many advents I have been through, it never fails to strike me that this is the first encounter that we read of this, to me, seems like a mixture of a blessing and a curse, right? Everything Zechariah was thinking, he could not say out loud. We want some people to have that, right? But in this time period, he had to learn, right, how to heighten his other senses, how to notice, how to pay attention, how to communicate differently, I imagine that he had to think through what he really wanted to say and how he really wanted to share it, and that made him wiser and more thoughtful and more careful with his words. I imagine that this was really sort of like a trial by fire experience for him, right? That he was a priest who was called by God, who wanted to be used by God, who wanted to be close to the heart of God, but here he was kind of being tested right? Was it going to snuff out that candle within or was it going to make him blaze brighter? You know, in my short, and it really is short, 15 years of ministry, I will say that this is a lesson that I've learned and have to continually relearn, like how to sit there in the silence, how to wait when you feel impatient and you want to know answers, Right? It feels sort of counterintuitive to us when we are trying to move on to the next thing or get things done to slow down and to stop and to be still, to wait and listen and to watch. But this is how we learn to hear and sense the movement of the Holy Spirit. This is how we know what to do next. And the truth is the more that we need God's help and direction in our lives, the more quiet we have to be. And so it seems to me that this is really an invitation for us at the very start of our season to a divine hush, a hush that begs us not to frantically run around and drown out our own thoughts with the holly jolly hustle and bustle of Christmas, right? A hush that invites us not to be plowed over and plowed down by to-do lists and gift giving and parties. A hush that invites us into the presence of God to heighten our senses in new ways. The thing is, if we give way to this kind of silence, it does become our teacher. It teaches us how to wait with expectancy, with joy, with hope, believing, trusting, knowing that God will deliver. Why? Because God never fails to deliver. As we look for the light in this story, I can't help but think about uh, the literal light that is taking place. Uh, Zachariah enters this dark room with candlelight and all of a sudden this huge contrast of light comes in when the angel comes and fills the room with heavenly glory. We're not actually told what it looks like. Maybe it's like when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain and it's so bright and blinding that the disciples have to fall to the ground. But what about that metaphorical light, that figurative light, that light that is happening within his body, right? Did that angel's glow feel like one of those uh, baby shower balloon explosions? Did Zachariah's heart radiate light? When a dream that he had let go of was suddenly back in play. How bright did Elizabeth's eyes look when she found out she would have a baby? What joy and elation and celebration pierced the darkness and dismissed her disgrace. There is literal light in these stories, but there's this light with the capacity to blaze within them, within us. Because what we are talking about here in this moment is a moment when the light bulb comes on, when somebody flips a switch and everything goes click, 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 like the moment when you find the exact right word, the exact right order of things, the exact right song, the exact right person. This is a story about a moment when everything comes together when life changes in an instant for the best. And we are not people trained to wait expectantly and joyfully and hopefully for the moment when everything changes for the best. We are people who anticipate and plan for and worry over the worst. We are people who lie down on our pillows at night and rehearse those tragic situations that terrify us and wonder how we're going to deal with them. You know, as we talked about uh, this sort of worst case scenario thinking and reality in our staff meeting this week, Steve shared a book with us called Hardwiring Happiness. It's written by a clinical psychologist named Rick Hansen, and it asks questions that I think make sense to us, like why is it easier for us to ruminate over hurt feelings than it is to bask in the warmth of being appreciated? You know, why do we listen to that one voice, one out of 10 that is critical and negative instead of the nine that are supportive and encouraging? Well, Dr. Hansen uh, explains that it's because this is how our brains evolved. We learned uh, to learn quickly from bad experiences and to learn slowly from good ones. He says our worst case uh, scenario thinking is actually part of our primal nature. It's our instinct. It's innate, it's ingrained, it's a survival mechanism. If there is constantly a fear of threat, your mind and body are learning how to quickly assess and respond. Now maybe we don't live under super primitive circumstances, but we do live in a culture, in a society, and very real threats exist. This threat, this fear, it becomes heightened because of what we see on the news and what we feel helpless and hopeless about, or what we hear from our neighbors or witness in our families. And the problem is if we're not careful we begin this loop of fear and worry and anxiety and cynicism and negativity, and suddenly we let all of these things control us and dictate our decisions. And so part of the good news of the book is that even if you've been hardwired to think this way, you can override the system. You can hardwire yourself for happiness. You can pull out some plugs and like put them in a different place, you know? You can refocus your mind to think positively. You can examine the lies that your brain tells you. You can learn to reframe, to hold on to hope, for look for the light in the midst of the darkness. This is not a trite endeavor. This is not a Pollyanna move. This is our hope. This is our faith, and that is what the first story of Advent invites us to do. Zachariah and Elizabeth had a dormant dream that had gone dark, but one day, God appeared and actualized that dream and gave them their heart's desires and invited them to be on this long-awaited story of redemption and salvation, and so while our culture or busyness, our distractions or procrastination, our stress or overstimulation or fear may ask us to start dreading things while darkness and dreams deferred may call us to lose hope. We begin with a story in which a long wait ends A light bulb comes on, a baby is on the way, and the tables are turning for the people of God. And so this December, can we frame our season, church, not with these other things, with our faith? Can we let it guide us to live expectantly and joyfully and hopefully as we wait on that moment when God delivers and God never fails to deliver and everything changes in an instant for the best. Thanks be to God, amen.